See, we're coming, when, we, when we're praying, we're coming into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. So we come with boldness and confidence, but we come humbly. That humility allows God to manifest great things in your life. But praying isn't always easy for many of us. Today, Senior Pastor George Martin Jr. discusses the manner of prayer from his continuing sermon series. Let's listen as Pastor Martin explains. There are some who have mastered the artistry of prayer. That when they pray, they're able to pray so eloquently that it seems as though that the words flow from their mouth like the pen of a gifted songwriter. It is in, this, in the presence of someone like this that, that, you, that others may feel a bit intimidated or may wonder, man, I can't pray like that. So what manner of prayer ought I pray? Or how should I pray? The reality that we find here in this text is that Jesus' disciples uh, likely having observed him praying often and seeing how intimate his relationship was and how the, the interaction with his father seemed to be so authentic, they, they likely felt similar emotions of how can we do this? How can we interact in prayer in the same way? And it, it, it maybe boiled over until one of them had courage enough to ask, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Naturally, as human beings, we oftentimes are looking around at how others are doing things. And so they, he adds into that, uh, like John taught his disciples, as though that was going to motivate Jesus to teach more because if we understand the mission that he's on, he's intentionally teaching them and instructing them this entire time. So a request to be taught surely wouldn't be rebuffed and did not need an extra sauce on it like John taught his disciples. So we are now going to further our journey because after the request came, Jesus responded and he began to give them some instru instructions. And so we're going to explore the instructions that he gave his disciples in response to their request. Because remember, we're looking at our 30 essential prayer, which states that I pray to know God and I lay my request before him through prayer, but also find direction in my life through prayer. So ultimately, we see in this request that they're asking, Lord, teach us to pray. We see Jesus leaning in and saying, when you pray, here's how you should do it. So the one thing that I want to do today is, is we're focused here on Luke chapter 11, because this particular instance, the request is made to teach them to pray. So I wanted to draw that in. However, as we begin to look at Jesus' instructions, because Matthew, as a, as a part of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives a more detailed description of how Jesus taught him. We understand that these are two different times. Because here in Luke, Luke records a time in which Jesus says, he says, when Jesus was praying somewhere in a certain place, the request came. Then we look in Matthew 
chapter 6, we see there that it's a part of Jesus walking up onto a mountain, sitting down, and preaching a sermon, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to grab the text there in Matthew chapter 9. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. I'm going to grab that text and then look at what Jesus said there in Matthew because he says something to start. He says, pray in this manner. I'm sure that many of us have been in a situation where we've been asked to all stand and recite the Lord's Prayer. Amen? We memorized it verbatim and we understood. But notice here, when we take the two and put them together, he's not suggesting that you just, whenever you pray, you need to recite this. And certainly, it certainly has a great ceremonial place when we're in a, a collective gathering. However, there are some instructions that he gives, and we want to take a look at those. There's several things we're going to point out. I won't make points. I'll just lift up these observations that we find in these instructions. So the first one today that we have is we first must acknowledge to whom we're speaking. First acknowledge to whom we're speaking. So he says, he says, our Father in heaven. This is important because we've, we've already understood or learned a few weeks ago that this great love that God has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And it's important because Jesus always prayed to his Father. So there was some intimacy and authenticity that was coming through that relationship that was evident in the exchange. So when we look here, we first acknowledge to whom we're speaking because if, we, if, we, if we're clear and fair in this discussion, we'll understand that prayer is not unique to Christianity. I was, I was made privy of a story of a, a pastor who was traveling, and as he was traveling, and they began, this was some years ago when they were still offering meals on flights. He was traveling, and they came in and were asking about the meal, and so the lady next to him said, no, thank you, I'm fasting. So naturally, he says, wow, hey amen, I got another believer. We got a couple hours on this flight. Maybe we can speak, talk about the word. As he further inquired, what she said was, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm actually praying to Satan to close 110 churches in the Seattle, Washington area. She was fasting and praying to Satan that he would close churches. So we understand we must first acknowledge to whom we are speaking, our Father in heaven. Now here, watch this. There's, an ex there's a relational nature to this exchange because he says, our Father. Jesus said, when you pray, pray to our Daddy. Because when we acknowledge to whom we're praying, we understand that we're coming to our heavenly Father that we may make our request known. But through prayer, we also understand we begin to know his nature because as he responds, he reveals himself in our lives on a daily basis. The next observation is we must come with reverential humility. Reverential humility, because he says, hallowed be thy name. 
For this, I want, I want to say that we should come bold but humble. Bold but humbled. Bold because Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, we can come with confidence or with boldness before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. But we must always be mindful of the humility by which we should come based upon what, what Isaiah shows us in Isaiah chapter number 6. Because Isaiah in chapter number 6 in the first five verses, he gives us a glimpse of what it's like in the throne room of God. And see, when we're coming in prayer, we're coming through the blood of Jesus in his name into the throne room of God. And we have to be careful that we don't become so casual about prayer that we don't just kick the door in as though we belong there. Because the humility that we have reminds us that we have no right to be there. But by the grace of God, through Christ Jesus, we come. So Hebrews chapter, you don't have to turn it, but let me just read it for you. He says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot, be sympathize, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Here's what Isaiah said. He says, in the, and this is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. He says, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Wait a minute. He said, one, 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 one time, uh, and it was that same year that King Isaiah died. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, the throne room, high and lifted up. And his train, because he was talking about the kingship of God, the, the, a king would have a train that, 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 that followed him, and the kings would, would stretch that train out or lengthen that train based upon the number of kingdoms they'd overcome. He said, but his train filled. The train was so long, it filled up the space. His robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Number three, verse three said, and one cried out to another and said, holy, holy, holy. See, we're coming, when, we, when we're praying, we're coming into the presence of God through Jesus Christ, so we come with boldness and confidence, but we come humbly. Because it says, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the doors was shaking by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Here it is, verse 5. After seeing this and recognizing the gravity of the moment, here's what Isaiah said. This is how his response. He responded to seeing who God was and recognizing how magnificent and how holy and how awesome he was. He responded with says, woe is me. For I am a man undone. 
because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people who are unclean. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. See, when we come with the boldness and the confidence, we also come with the humility that reminds us that we have no right to be there but by God's grace. So we come in and we say, Lord, I got some things I know you want to hear about. I know you want to hear because I'm your child. But I don't come with arrogance. I come with humility. So the next one, the third observation, we should pray for the progress of Christ's mission on the earth. See, one of the things when we pray, because oftentimes when we come, we, we just pray for the things we want. Oh, Lord, help me with this car. I need this, I need this, uh, this, this rent paid. I, I need to, I really want this Cadillac. They, they're telling me I only qualify for the Kia, but I want the Cadillac, Jesus. Cadillac, Jesus. You get spiritual all up in there, don't you? You all up in there, yeah, the Lord, the, the Lord the Lord's good. You're blessing the, the salesman. You're blessing the finance guy. You got a little oil in your pocket, your anointing desk. But one of the things we should always be mindful of in prayer is to pray for God's, the progress of his kingdom. Because here's what he says, your kingdom come. He says, pray in this manner, then make sure that when you're praying, and it may not be every time you pray, but it should be a part of your practice of prayer to pray that God's kingdom continues to come. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 9 through 20 says, Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray for one another. We do this, we, we did it just earlier when we prayed for someone else. Praying for all the saints. And here's what Paul says. And pray for me, that utterance might be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel. He says, continue to pray because what I'm here to do is to continue the work of Christ. So we as believers should be praying for the furtherance of God's kingdom. The fourth observation, we, got, we have to pray according to God's will. You have your requests, you have the things you're asking for, the things you're laying before him, the things you desire, but then you also have to be fully aware that God may have a will in this. And that you are, while you're praying, also aware of his will so that while you're praying, prayer doesn't become your discouragement when he doesn't say yes to what you ask. See, some people stop praying because I prayed. And I asked God, oh, here it is, I prayed on it. I prayed on it. I had to slap him because I prayed on it. I had to cuss them all out because I prayed on it. Didn't wait for a response, I just prayed on it. Didn't know what God wanted in that, right? So look here, 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 and 16. And I want you to hear this because it's important. He says, 
Now, this is the confidence that we all have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Why? Because we've prayed it according to his will. Let me share something with you. When I left here a, couple, a few Sundays ago, I already had word that my father was, trans, was transitioning. I'd already been told a few days earlier, a couple days earlier, that he had between one and five days. I was praying for the five because I needed to be here and then to get on the road and travel. While we were stopping to get something to eat, the phone rang and they said it may be within an hour. We hadn't even got on the road yet. So we travel back home, we get everything packed into the car, we're heading out, and an hour goes by, two hours go by, and I'm praying. I said, Lord, just hold daddy here till I can get there. About six hours into the drive, the phone rings again. My brother says, hey, pull over. I said, what is it, Jackie? He said, dad's gone. Now, I had prayed that God hold dad here until I get there. But wait a minute. If I pray according to his will, his will was not for me to be there. His will was that I would be coming there. I want you to get this because in the midst of our anguish, sometimes we get angry with God not realizing that, yes, he says, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and it shall be found. But we must also recognize that he has a will. So I ain't stopped praying. <laughs> then I switched my prayer. Lord, help us get there safe. <laughs> Why? Because... Yes, I would have, want to have the scene. And you know how it is. You run in and you fall at the bed. Daddy, daddy, don't leave me, daddy. <laughs> However, if God had given my dad peace to transition home, I wouldn't want to come in and disturb that. Amen. 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 So my fifth observation, you place your request before him. Because he says, give us this day our daily bread. So now we get to the point where he's saying, give. You, we're asking for things. God, do something for me. But notice there's something that we should observe in that daily. Which prayer should be a part of your daily practice. Today, Lord, bless. Today, Lord, move. Today, Lord, work. Today, because give us this day daily. Today, 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 today. Every today should be my day of prayer. Sometimes life happens and you're, you're rushing to get out and get going. But just because you put a regiment together, you say every morning I'm going to get up and have my special time with the Lord at 6 and you overslept. 
Got to get out before that time. That doesn't mean that you've missed your opportunity to pray for the day. You've got plenty more opportunities to pray today for today. Amen. Amen. So we place our request before him. Because here's what Paul says to the Philippian church. He says, and, 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 and this is important because he, he talks about anxiousness because oftentimes prayer is motivated by this sense of anxiousness, of something that's needing to be done or something we're desperate in for God to do. He says in verse chapter 4 of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oftentimes we're praying and we forget to be thankful or express our thanksgiving along with our prayer. Supplication speaks of crying and crying out and actually being very emotional in prayer. So he says, don't be anxious, but in every prayer, Sometimes it's going to have some supplication. You're going to be uh, anguishing and crying, and it's going to be very sincere and very serious for you. But with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. And here's the thing. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you with this. If you've been praying for something and it becomes very anxious and you're very anxious about it, when God brings his peace to you, it's an indication he's working on your behalf. Because here's what Jesus says. He says, peace I give you. My peace I'm leaving with you. Not as the world give. Give out to you. See, there's times that I've been praying, and it seems like I haven't got my answer yet, but somewhere in the midst of all that's going on, I feel a sense of peace. I say, Lord, I don't know. I've been, I was worried about that thing all day yesterday, but today I, I hadn't thought about it. It's still serious, it's still important, but I hadn't thought about it. Because his peace that surpasses my understanding, it guards my heart. And I'm able to rest in that peace while I keep pressing on. While I continue to get things done that I have to get done. I don't have to go in my bedroom and shut the blinds and, and lock the door. And I don't want anybody to bother me. I can keep pressing because he gives me his peace. He brings peace to us to assure us as well, while we're still having to trust, still having to believe. I got his peace. I have his peace down inside. Here's another one. Six, the sixth observation for today. Repentance. It says, forgive us our debtors. So certainly a part of prayer should be repentance. That you say, Lord, I acknowledge uh, my transgression. I know, God, that, that, I don't, that I'm not worthy, but I'm worthy through Christ Jesus. And I, I, I claim your word when you tell me in, in John uh, 1 John 1 and 9, that if I would confess my sins, I, you're faithful and just enough to forgive me and to cleanse me. So, so I come to you recognizing that I'm able to get my sins forgiven. Anything that hinders me or hinders you from receiving me at this time, I place that before you. Because the psalmist, we saw this last week, he says, if I hold iniquity in my heart, the Lord doesn't hear me. So, so I'm coming, Lord, to release anything that I have that I might 
approach your throne. Because when we come, we oftentimes are coming in times of great need, but there are times we're coming just because we know that we need to, we need to talk to the Lord. But in any instance, we should be fully aware that there may be a need for us to stop for a moment and say, Lord, forgive us for anything that I've said or done. It's not pleasing to you. The seventh observation, though, he says, we ask for forgiveness, but we're also aware of our need to forgive. So oftentimes we need to be praying, God, help me to forgive because I'm holding these things. He says, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us according to how we're forgiving. And Jesus said, said this way in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against one, anyone, forgive him. And I know, let me, let's, let's, let's stop for a minute because I know that's not easy. Sometimes there's some deep wounds that have gone deep and, they, and they, they've been uh, treads deep into your heart. But here's the thing. It may take some extended time for you to forgive, but you have to be postured towards that forgiveness. Okay, let me help you see this. You cannot say, I'll never forgive them. It may take some time, but you have to posture. So, so if, I, if, I, if I have a desire to go backstage... I have to posture myself. I may not be ready to go yet, but I've got to at least be looking towards it. When I'm postured towards it, it may take me a while because I'm only able to take baby steps. And sometimes I might even sit down. I ain't moving right now. I just, they, did, they said something else to me. But I can't turn my back on where I'm trying to go. I got to, I got even if I sit down, I got to keep focused on what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm, I'm trying to get there, God, because here's what the Lord, the Lord says. He says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I'm looking at your heart. Is your heart set on forgiving? Until you get there, grace rests with you, but you got to have your mind and heart set on getting there. So forgive as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our eighth observation, ask for God's guidance. See, because if we, if we go back to that forgiveness, you may not know how to forgive like this. Lord, I've forgiven for these things, but this thing. So he says, lead us not into temptation. Understanding that part of the, the manner of prayer should be that we look for, for, for God to give us direction. Help us to know how. When, you're, when you have great decisions to make. Lord, I don't know. I, know. I know what I know and I've done my research, but there are some things I don't know. So that which I don't know, would you lead me? Because here's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He should direct your path. And this, is, this might seem like an oxymoron because it says that we are supposed to, with all thy getting, get an understanding. So, Pastor, wait a minute. You're telling me that the word tells me to get understanding, but then he says, don't lean on it. It kind of works like this. This table, it seems pretty sturdy and able to handle the weight of a Bible, a cup of waters, a tablet. But I don't think it may be able to handle the full weight of a man that's upwards of 200 and something. So I have it. I use it. I need it. I just don't. See, you have understanding, but he says, just don't lean on it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And watch this. He will direct your path. Because he knows what you don't know. He knows the things that you need to know. So the Lord guides us through his word, through his Holy Spirit. So that's why prayer also should be coupled with time that you spend in the word. I can't tell you how many times I've been reading something and a revelation will come and say, oh, whoa, wait a minute. And then I say, oh, yeah, that's, thank you, Lord. Thanks for showing me that. I had for, I, I've been praying that, but now you've helped me with this. The Holy Spirit brings it back to my remembrance. So the, I've spent time in the word and the Holy Spirit brings it back to my remembrance of things that God wants me to know about my request for guidance. Word, spirit, through prayer. Amen? Amen. Because here's how, John, how Jesus describes it. He says, the Holy Spirit, this is John 16 and 13. He says, however, when he, he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Yeah. Then he says in, in, in John 6 and 63, he says, sanctify, I'm sorry, 17, John 17 and 17. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. See, when we understand this, because John 6, 63 says, it is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. That, that the things that God gives, the Holy Spirit brings it to life. It brings it to bear in our lives. As we're praying and we're asking, God, help me to understand. He says, oh, I've got something for you. I'll help you if you need it. Ninth observation. Deliverance and protection. For he says, but deliver us from the evil one. That we pray prayers of protection. Lord, we're in this matter, we're in a situation. Don't know how it's going to pan out. I'm in a foreign area. I'm in a different place. I'm in a strange area. You ever been lost? Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to say this, and this is not to be disparaging to anyone, but uh, in my first few months here, I was traveling down and, and, and uh, down to... Uh, I want to say the east, southeast side of, of Dallas. And, and so the GPS started to act up and it was telling me something. Then, then the gas light came on. I said, man, I can't afford to get lost because I don't know where the next gas station is. And, 
And here's where it started to get pretty dicey for me. I went under an underpass and there was furniture and all kind of things going on there. I said, Lord, I'm in a strange land. I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do because I wouldn't know. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do at this point. If the car cut off and, and ran out of gas, who am I going to ask? I said, Lord, I need some protection first because if I might, they would know I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, 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 why would you come down here and fall, run out of gas? So they would already know I, I'm already. So I need protection. I need you to deliver me from this situation because I don't know where the nearest gas station is. And then I need you to guide me to where it is. Because here's what the word says in Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Very present help in times of trouble. And then verse 11 in that same psalm, he says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. You know what name I called, don't you? I'm down there, the gas hand look like it's getting pretty limp. Jesus. The righteous run into it, Proverbs 18 and 10. The righteous run into it and are safe. Tenth and final observation. We must express or come with gratitude and confidence. For he says, for yours, so there's the key, yours, it's your, it's your kingdom. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In that we recognize by acknowledging that it all, it's him. He's the one. He's, he's the key. Yours is the kingdom. But by acknowledging also his power, it gives us the confidence to know that he's able to do something. So we conclude our time with this sense of yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever that I recognize that with gratitude, I'm able to come to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and to place my request before you. But then here's something else that Jesus added to this model. In John chapter 16, verse 23, Here's what Jesus said, that whenever we're praying, so he just gave us the manner of prayer, how we should pray. We, gave, we had 10 observations there, but then Jesus adds something to this model prayer. He says, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So, so after we've prayed, given our requests, asked for forgiveness, gone through the entire process, or having finished our engagement in prayer, we close it out by saying, in Jesus' name, I pray. 
Amen. Because the manner of prayer is such that as we come to God, we recognize that even as the disciples, oftentimes we don't know how to pray for as we ought. But the beauty and the blessing that Paul helps us with, it says that the Holy Spirit even helps our infirmity. I want to encourage you today, those of you who say, I just don't pray as eloquently as others, and I just seem like when I try to pray, my tongue gets tied or turned around, or the words don't come together like they should, and I'm not the one pastor, like you said, that, that, that my tongue is like the ready hand of the writer who's writing lyrics of a beautiful song. When I come, it seems like it's choppy and broken and don't seem like I can say the things like I want to say. It's all right. The Holy Spirit helps our failure because it says that he interprets what we're saying. He interprets what we're saying with groans that we couldn't even utter to make sure that by the time it reaches the throne, it's been interpreted in such a way that the Father can hear it. When we pray, we pray believing that the God that we serve, that we know, he is able. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.